0: So, Shabbat Shalom. This is actually a two-part sermon I'm going to talk about the second half next week, so tune in for that. One of the things that I learned early in my rabbinic studies is that while in Judaism there may be new answers, there are few new questions. One of the advantages or disadvantages of being a people with a recorded history and a legal tradition dating back at least 3,000 years is that we have seen much of this before. When I was finishing my rabbinic studies and writing my thesis, my topic was questions and answers shuvot, of Jewish life during the Shoah, during the Holocaust. It wasn't particularly a happy read. I soon discovered that the rabbis who were posing questions or who were posed questions about how to safeguard life and Jewish tradition during the Holocaust turned to similar questions asked during Talmudic times. And those rabbis based their precedents on moments of grave Jewish peril that occurred in biblical times. And backwards or forwards through Jewish history, the verse from Ecclesiastes seems to always ring true. Ein Kol Chadash Tachat Hashemesh, there is nothing new under the sun. And so this week, as our world celebrates with great relief the approval of vaccines for COVID 19 and the redemptive promise that presents for humanity and our way of life as we also confront we also confront many questions. Two that come to my mind, at least at this time, are the following. One, are Jews obligated by Jewish law to get vaccinated? And two, what is the Jewish responsibility toward promoting vaccination amongst skeptics or as we call them now, anti-vaxxers? A third question also confronts us, how should a vaccine in short supply be equitably distributed amongst a community? I won't won't attempt to answer that question this week, but come back next Saturday and we'll tackle that one in some detail. But to our first two questions regarding the questions for this morning, I want to note the obvious. Vaccinations were not a medical science available to the rabbis of the Talmudic period in the first centuries of the common era. And still the questions of what one must do to preserve their own life, the life of the community, and what risk is permissible in that pursuit are questions that were indeed contemplated by Jewish tradition since its earliest writings. In Judaism as in other religions it is an accepted article of faith amongst the most religious that whatever happens to a person whether an illness or a mishap is ordained in heaven. It is the everything happens for a reason, excuse me. Everything happens for a reason theology I've spoken before about why I do not subscribe to this particular theological explanation of things that happen, and much prefer the construct, there is a reason for everything that happens, and that that reason might not be God, indeed it very often is human nature. But for those who see a divine hand in all that is good or bad that happens in our life, there is a basic question. How is it possible, theologically and philosophically, to engage a doctor whose job is to heal, while at the same time believing that the sickness is caused by divine decree. How can one reject God's command and change what has been decreed from above? Our rabbis found the answer to this in Exodus chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. And there we read, If people quarrel and one person hits another with a stone or with his fist, and the victim does not die, but is confined to bed, The one who struck the blow will not be held liable if the other can get up and walk around outside with a staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time, and here's the important line, and see that the victim is completely healed. The end of that verse, completely healed, is interpreted by the Talmud. Rabbi Ishmael says that from here derives permission for the doctor to heal. Rashi, the great Talmudic commentator, explained it this way. He gave permission to doctors to heal, and we do not say God struck him and he, the doctor, heals him. From Rashi's explanation, it appears that the Torah explicitly emphasizes that acts of healing are not to be considered as though they go against God's wishes, but rather the opposite. Permission has been given to doctors to heal every sickness, notwithstanding the clear belief that it was heavenly ordained. It is a mitzvah, a commandment to heal. It is based on this understanding that healing is a religious obligation that we confront the first question, are Jews obligated by Jewish law to get vaccinated? It would seem obvious based on the teachings of Rashi and all those that came before him, that Jews are obligated to get vaccinated as a way to seek healing. But vaccinations are not medical treatments that cure illness. They are by definition medicines that prevent illness. So what of the question, can you risk getting sick by getting vaccinated To this, we turn to 1785 and to a rabbi that I don't think any of us know, but whose writings on this are very important. Rabbi Avraham Ben Shlomo Nashik published a tiny pamphlet entitled a Trufa*, detailing the tragic loss of his two children to smallpox and beseeching the rabbis of his generation to allow inoculation. According to rabbi and Dr. Edward Reichman, he's a medical doctor, the treatment was considered controversial at the time as never in the history of humankind had one taken a healthy individual and injected him or her with the very cause of an illness, even if the objective was to prevent a more severe disease. This unique treatment posed a dilemma for the Torah observant Jew, the question I asked earlier. Torah gives license to the physician to heal the sick, but does it give the physician license to bestow illness upon the healthy, albeit for an ultimate cure? The debate about medical and theological aspects of smallpox inoculation actually occupied a significant chapter in 18th and 19th century history and Jewish thought. The rabbis of the time debated the issues and were well aware of the risks associated with vaccination and still The majority argued in favor of inoculation, despite its known risks. In their view, the benefits clearly exceeded the risks. And they based their argument, not on the urgency of the pandemic at the time, but also Talmudic precedent. The Talmud teaches that danger is more serious than a prohibition. Jewish ethical tradition obliges one to distance oneself from danger and to prevent it. The Rambam, one of the great halakhic adjudicators and one of the major philosophers of the Middle Ages, who, apart from his religious and philosophical knowledge, actually earned his living as a medical doctor in a royal palace in Egypt, explained this through the biblical commandment of placing a railing on high places. Both a roof and anything that is dangerous where someone might trip over and die, of these, one is obligated to place a barrier or a cover or cover it so that a person will not fall in and die. And any obstacle that is dangerous to life, it is a positive commandment to remove it and stay safe from it and to be extremely careful with it. From the biblical injunction concerning the railing, we learn that action has to be taken in a proactive manner to remove the danger and that there is a biblical commandment to guard against danger. As it is written, look after yourself. The Rambam statement leads to the conclusion that whether it is a matter of installing a railing on a roof or covering a hole or anything likely to harm people such as an illness or uh, epidemics, that there is a religious commandment to distance oneself from the danger and to prevent it. Thus, there is a theological justification for inoculating against disease. But this of course leads to another question. See, I said there are lots of questions. Is there an ethical obligation for an individual to expose themselves to a specific or future danger in order to save someone else from a greater present danger? You see, it's one thing, of course, to accept risk to your save yourself or your child. But are you, as a Jew, obligated to accept risk to save someone else or their child? In the context of COVID-19, we are talking about the need for herd immunity. And getting the vaccine, even if you don't feel you need or want it for yourself. So the question is, can Jews be anti-vaxxers? To answer this, the Talmud describes the behavior in the city of Saddam and the occasion when someone came to the town, to the market to sell garlic and onions. And every passerby just took one item, saying, I just took one, thereby impoverishing the seller a little bit. Rashi explained that each one said, I only took something small, but the end result was that together they stole everything the seller had to sell. From this, the rabbis right up to present day infer the principle that if something done by many involves evil and sin, then it is forbidden for an individual to do it. The same applies in the present case in that it is only because most people get vaccinated, which hurts and may endanger them, that the minority can refrain from vaccination. But the more people who do not get vaccinated, the more danger will increase. Clearly then, if most people refuse the COVID-19 vaccination, we could return to the middle ages and hundreds of thousands more, if not millions, will die of severe illness. So the obligation to vaccinate applies to everyone. The answer to our questions then this morning from the perspective of Jewish law and tradition is that as Jews, we are obligated to get vaccinated, even if there is some small degree of danger to ourselves in doing so. We are not obligated if we can reasonably be certain that we are putting our lives in danger. For example, the current caution about people with history of severe allergic reactions and those populations that the vaccine has not yet been tested against, pregnant women and children. Further to the point though, we are obligated by the concept of small theft leading to robbery to advocate that others also get vaccinated and to call out those who say they don't need to. They don't need to take the risk because others have. So let me conclude with the following story told by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson of Blessed Memory, and slightly modified by me for relevance to our community. Two parents visited the Rebbe to discuss whether to enroll their children in Hebrew school. They told the Rebbe that statistics had shown that a bad education harms only 5% of children. The Rebbe asked them if they vaccinated their children for measles and polio, etc., And they replied, of course, we're parents. Do you know what percentage of children who do not receive the vaccine actually contract the disease, the Rebbe asked. In this story, the parents knew that statistic. Less than three or four percent, they said. The Rebbe responded. In other words, even for a possibility of four percent, and especially in those countries where these diseases are even more rare, it is still worthwhile to vaccinate with all the pain and risk that it causes, etc. Why? The Rebbe asked. Who cares about those minor inconveniences as compared to what could possibly happen to our children without vaccinating them? They responded. And the Rebbe then said to them, if for a doubt of 4%, it is worth causing the child pain, enduring the child's screaming and all the other effects of the vaccination, just to avoid the disease, even though for the most part, there is not even a possibility of any life danger, but rather just severe discomfort for some, how much more so is it worthwhile to ensure the health of your child's soul where the doubt is just but 5% and where the vaccine does not cause any pain All that is required is to sign your child up for Hebrew school. This action will affect their soul their entire life. So in conclusion, if we all get the COVID-19 vaccine when it's offered to us, and when deemed safe and appropriate, vaccinate our children as well, we will increase enrollment in Hebrew school. What more reason could we need? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. shalom. Shabbat. I don't know if vaccinations cause enrollment in Hebrew school, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the uh, I love the drush. It was great. Thank you, Rabbi Brown. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So, friends, uh, we will prepare now to conclude our service. So, if you'll turn.